It is first and moose, Connor Taylor, Mark Schoenster. Week 16 recap. We are almost to the playoffs, but it's been it's been playoff time in fantasy football, Mark. Did you end up making it to the to the championship? Or no? Yeah, I did. Um, I did, and neither of us had Alvin Kamara, so okay. it was a level playing field, and <laughs> uh, I'm looking good. I still got uh, – the odds are in my favor. It's just a matter of barring disaster tonight on Monday. So by the time people listen to this on air, I will know if I have won or not, but we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully the bad thing doesn't happen, but I, I'm looking pretty good. I'm in the same boat as you. I, well, I had Alvin Kamara, so it oh. wasn't, yeah, it wasn't at Devonta Adams, Alvin Kamara. So oh my god, Like 80 points. And as long as Josh Allen doesn't get like 57 points tonight, uh, okay, I should be fine, which I think if he's getting that high, I would assume they go up to their backup QB. So I, I feel pretty confident unless, yeah, it's, yeah. unless it's really crazy tonight. Yeah, I don't know if that happens in a in a Bill Belichick football game. Basically, for me, I'm ahead by four points, and my opponent has Tyler Bass, the Bills kicker, but I have Stephon Diggs. So as okay. long as Stephon Diggs doesn't like get hurt in the beginning of the game and goes out, and then Bass kicks, you know, as he's probably going to tonight, more than four points, I should be fine. I mean, Diggs has been one of my MVPs all season. So if he let me down here, that would be a true heartbreak. <laughs> I've I've never won fantasy football, so I, I'm getting a little excited, but I don't want to I yeah. don't get too excited before anything crazy happens tonight. But right, anyway. right, yeah. We've we 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 both been doing this podcast. It'd be great if we uh uh added some uh, reputability to our name by being <laughs> uh, fantasy football champions. Connor Taylor and Mark Schoenst are giving you our uh, playoff previews for these next few weeks for the actual NFL playoffs. Um, yeah, I have won one time but it's like that's in like my family league this one the, the league i'm in and this one uh is with my colleagues at u92 so this one some could say that there's a little bit more of a, a bragging right there <laughs> as well as um there's also money involved so Ooh, you know a, a cash money prize so yeah if i can get that that's that's a huge win that is a big win but some breaking news today mark was Dwayne haskins got released waived by the Washington football team. And it surprised me. I, I didn't expect it. I mean, looking back, you can kind of look at it and be like, okay, I, I can see it, but it's under two years. I mean, yeah. generally you're trying to hang on to people, even if they have issues, but right, it right. just apparently wasn't worth it anymore. The team decided that his play on the field is not worth, I guess, his immaturity off the field is what I assume is, is mostly. Yeah. Is. Yeah. I think the, here is the train of thought I'm thinking they're going by here. And that's, they drafted Dwayne Haskins. They realized he's immature last season. They, they are trying to work it out. He's just a rookie. He's our first round draft pick. You're going to try to make it work. Right. Um, and you go through that process. He has a bad year and they say, Hey, you screwed up. You better get yourself into shape or else you're, you're going to lose starting jobs. You're going to, you're not going to make it in the NFL. And I remember Dwayne Haskins uh, over the summer being like, Hey, I realized that my, uh, my rookie season, I wouldn't, I wasn't behaving well. So I'm going to try to make it right this off season and I'm going to do better. And the fact of the matter is, is he hasn't, I mean, we have, we have proof. I, I know that, the semantics, it wasn't actually, according to Dwayne Haskins, it wasn't a strip club. It was some birthday party. But regardless, the, the risk of COVID-19 is the issue here. And that doesn't change whether you're, whether you're at a strip club or if you're at a, just another public place celebrating a birthday party. Okay. Like, that doesn't matter. And the, fact of, and the fact is, he hasn't changed behavior-wise. He hasn't improved. And he's also not performing on the football field. So the football team has decided what's the point of keeping him what's the worth the only thing keeping him here is the fact that he was a first round draft pick we made him a captain which is kind of shocking in hindsight and he hasn't gotten any better so there, it's all negatives i imagine it's probably harming the locker room if you keep this kind of guy around because then it's kind of a double standard and i mean i don't know good on washington i think i think this is a great move to to just cut the cord now say hey we're not we're not dealing with this kind of crap um, and after they saw what Taylor Heineke did yesterday or two days ago, if you're listening on air uh, against the Panthers, I think you say, OK, we can work with this. We don't have to live with Dwayne Haskins. 
My thing is, I, I don't remember any issues at Ohio State at yeah, all for Dwayne Haskins, which I just typed in my computer. I don't really see anything like no shocking headlines popped up from when he was there. And it's just, it's kind of shocking to me because it's like, I would think there's got to be some issues. I understand COVID's a weird year. And when you're a young person, you don't always make the best decisions in life. Right. But I mean, when you're a professional getting paid millions of dollars, you're expected to grow up a lot quicker than uh, other 20 yeah. year olds, basically. But I, I, I'm not, I mean, I was shocked it happened, but I, I understand understand the reason. yeah i allowed them for it. i definitely was taken aback when i saw the notification i thought wow that was that's that's a jump that's a move right there and i i allowed them for it because i i honestly wonder which i wonder if you just wait it let the news pass a little bit if you could get like a low round pick in the in the summer or something or after the season around march february uh whenever it trades open back up to see if you get anything but i guess they decided that that wasn't worth a a shot of happening or they know it's not going to get anything in return yeah it's either that or they are weighing the value of like a fifth to sixth round draft pick and the value of cleansing the locker room to an extent of his presence i think I think they decided if, if they thought that he had some sort of trade value, they decided that the, the negative of keeping him in the organization was, was more than the positive of getting some late round draft pick in the NFL draft. And I don't know if they would get any, because maybe, maybe the news has already gotten around to general managers in the NFL that Dwayne Haskins is not good for a team because he just cannot keep his act together. Um, which sucks for Dwayne Haskins. He's only like 23, 24 years old, but unless he can turn it around himself, he now has to get himself out of this hole. So he has to prove that he's going to be better. And it's going to be hard because he was given a second chance by the football team and he squandered it. So I, I I feel for his situation, but he very much earned this spot. So, um, it's now up to him to go the long mile and, and, and make it work for him as an NFL player, or he's going to have to move on to other things. He did just release his uh, social media statement about taking responsibility and becoming a better man and player because of the experience, which is, you can take that how it is if you like those mm-hmm. statements or not. But another QB kind of news came out this week and Schefter reported that the Bears might resign Mitchell Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Are you on board if they resign Trubisky? Uh, I don't know. See, he's been playing some good football recently, but does that good football outweigh all the really bad football he's played prior to that? We we saw him have a decent year when the Bears went to the playoffs. It was two years ago, and then he had a bad year last year. And then he had a bad year for most of this year, got benched and then retook the, and then retook the starting role and has looked pretty good. The bears are, are, are in a decent spot for the playoffs. Uh, they, it could go the way it could not. It, it's very up in the air, but I don't know if I were a bears fan, I wouldn't want Mitchell Trubisky to be the answer long-term. If you want to keep him there for next season because you don't have an answer, fine. But the idea of re-signing him to a longer contract just seems like you're you're asking for eight and eight at best, even though you have such a talented defensive roster. Like, I feel like, don't you want someone who can give you a little more? Because you don't need a lot. Like, you need like an Alex Smith. And, and some people call Alex Smith a game manager. I think he's more than a game manager. At least he was. He's probably more of that now. But... You want someone who can make some plays but won't make mistakes. And Mitchell Trubisky sometimes makes plays, but Mitchell Trubisky, I think, is too mistake-prone and is too hot and cold to to have on a team that's going to rely on the other side of the ball. You want someone that's a little more sturdy than that. And so I'm weary of the choice. If they think he's going to continue to grow, that's up to them. And if he continues to grow and get better, then I could be proven wrong. But I don't know. the empirical data tells me that Mitchell Trubisky won't ever be a, a good quarterback in the NFL and a, a small brief stretch of decent play doesn't sway me in that regard. 
And I, I saw a tweet, I copied and pasted it into my, my docs and I forgot to put the person's name to give credit. But over the last three weeks, depth of target, 32nd out of 35. Uh, percentage of yards to come after the catch is third out of 35. And then broken tackles from receivers per catch is first out of 32 teams. So if you look at it that way and those numbers, yeah. you think that's more scheme, more wide receivers. And mm-hmm. it's kind of funny that he's, you know, throwing bubble screens and basically into possibly a new contract. But I think if they're going to re-sign him, it's a one-year kind of thing, incentive-based. Yeah. I don't think you could do long-term. It's it's a prove-it deal and see if he's changed at all. But I'm, I'm weary of it if I'm a Bears fan. And honestly, I would try to go elsewhere. I'm not sure what other options they're going to have if they're able to lure an, a QB from elsewhere. But I... I would feel bad for Bears fans if they convinced themselves to sign him for longer than a one-year deal or even like a two-year deal would, I would feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's that very much a uh, lots to uh, David Montgomery, uh, Allen Robinson, of course, <laughs> and Alex Mooney, a guy who I've talked up a couple of times, I believe on the show, if not on the show, I've just talked up to people. I, I think Alex Mooney is a very good receiver. Um, and, and then also, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh, Miller. Anthony Miller is also pretty good. Like these are all, these are all decent receivers. So I think you could, you could take those stats and, and, and a lot that, uh, that group for the, the extension of their efforts these past few weeks. But yeah, I, I mean, as a Packers fan, I'm sure you'd love Mitchell Trubisky to continue to get these chances to prove himself because, you know, as long as Mitch <laughs> Trubisky is uh, the quarterback of the bears, the bears will never be a great football team. Yeah, they'll never make the jump unless somehow they improve as a whole, which they're a pretty good unit right now anyways. Yeah. But I want to talk about Colts Steelers. Do you want to start with takeaways from the game or like the the playoff implications that that occurred during this this game here? Uh, I guess I'll start with the takeaways and then we can go into, uh, you know, the the unfortunate truth about the situation afterwards for me. Um, So... I, I didn't write down any takeaways. I kind of just soaked the game in. And, and the fact of the matter was, is in the second half, the Steelers made some halftime adjustments on defense that resulted in the Colts shying away from running the ball with Jonathan Taylor. And that's where the game was lost because Jonathan Taylor was doing great in the first half. He did great on the first drive of the second half. And then the Colts did three more run plays for the rest of the game which unacceptable. But what happened was, is according to Colts head coach, Frank Reich, they called more pass plays and they tried to call some play action. So then the run game could continue to be successful. And the Steelers, a defensive line started wreaking havoc. The Colts' two starting tackles, Anthony Costanzo and Braden Smith were out. And Mike Tomlin decided to finally take advantage of that in the second half. I'm not sure why he didn't in the first half. Um, and it resulted in some bullying happening on that on that O line, and that meant the passing game slowed down. It meant the running game was was pretty much taken off the board. And then on the other side of the ball, the Steelers' passing game they they started to get into a rhythm where they were using James Conner fresh off uh, fresh off of uh, injury, and, and a lot of ten yard passes that just slipped into that soft spot in the Colt zone coverage, and just abuse that over and over again now as a Colts fan I'll say this I cannot say I was a fan of some of the pass interference calls and the and the double standards that were being held I'm not sure how much you watched but I felt like sometimes they let them play and sometimes they were really ticky tacky about it and I would have rather them pick one or the other as opposed to just deciding when to call something and when not um but one example of that was or, or in the second half Kenny Moore tripped and he hit the foot of um, I guess it was like Deontay Johnson or something. And he fell over and they called pass interference on that. And I was like, wow, that sucks. But yes, he in a way interfered with the pass because he fell over and hit the foot of Deontay Johnson pass interference. And then on the final drive of the game, when Phillip Rivers was trying to come back, T Y Hilton tripped on one of the, the, the cornerbacks, uh, one of the three cornerbacks that were around him when, we were throwing the ball on third down. Now, looking at that call by itself, I didn't think it was pass interference, but the pass interference was called earlier in the game for a very similar situation. And so that got me a little bitter. But 
I, I've let that, I let that anger subside. Luckily, this podcast isn't recorded on Sundays or else I would have been a lot more fumed <laughs> right now. Um, the, the, the fact of the matter is the Steelers started abusing the, the fact that the Colts O-line was not going to be able to handle that rush and it shut down the run game. It, it caused Phillip Rivers to be under duress the entire game and he couldn't get things going. And then the Colts defense, they, they found the soft spot in the Colts defense. It was eerily similar a game that we had against the Ravens a couple of weeks ago. We dominated defensively in the first half. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers only scored a touchdown because they forced a turnover and almost brought it back to the house. Like it was almost the exact same situation as the Ravens game, except the defense didn't score. Ben Roethlisberger just punched it in from the five yard line. And then in the second half, they started, started finding the soft spot in the zone and slowly came back into the game, brought pressure on Phillip Rivers. It was almost a carbon copy of our game against the Ravens in hindsight. And there are even some questionable calls in the Ravens game. I remember that interception that was called in that one that I thought was crazy. So it was just, it's unfortunate because in a lot of ways, I've seen this Colts team grow throughout the year, but this was one case where it seemed like even though that game happened about two months ago at this point, it's the exact same situation occurred. And that's concerning, obviously, going into potentially a playoffs. We'll see if that happens. And obviously this is huge in, in the playoffs and just because you're currently sitting outside of the yeah. playoffs, which not not funny for a Colts fan, but I, I think at least for me, I remember being like, man, why expand to seven seeds? Like we're going to get a seven and nine team or something bad. Mm-hmm. And then this year we're going to miss out on a, a deserving team to make the playoffs. Yeah. Which is kind of nuts. I didn't expect that to be completely honest. I think we'll have those years where a bad team makes the playoffs, but this year we were seeing that one team that's, that's really good. That possibly could be the Colts, Ravens, Browns, Dolphins could be, any of those teams could somehow miss the playoffs that to me deserve to be it. But how, the Titans could also miss the playoffs. That's another team. How, all, how, the, all the 10 win teams in the AFC are not solidified in their spot in the playoffs. How disappointed would you be if you missed the playoffs this year? I'd be pretty disappointed because I think this is a good playoff football team. Mm-hmm. The Colts can I run agree. the ball. The Colts have a good defense uh when the o-line is healthy the colts o-line is one of the best in the nfl so i think that's a formula for winning playoff football games and it's a it's a formula for a football team as a colts fan i haven't seen it in a long time when when andrew luck brought the colts to the playoffs that was a shoddy football team year in and year out that andrew luck just put band-aids over potholes and made it work because he would just heroically keep the team in games that they didn't deserve to be in the battle line, a defense that was leaky, usually a lack, never getting a hundred yard rushers. Like this, those football teams were not good. They were just Andrew Luck. And I watched that team go to the AFC championship game one year. So it would be so frustrating to see that team find success, but then a team that's so much more well-built, more complete and, and has a veteran quarterback like Phillip Rivers to be at home watching because I could totally see the Colts winning a game or two. I don't see them beating the chiefs. Maybe they could, but I don't see them beating the chiefs and that would be incredibly frustrating, but I think you could say that story for just about every AFC team that's sitting on this right now Uh, out of all of them. I think the one that has the least to be upset about if they were watched from home would be the Miami dolphins. But I think even then, they just had some magic go their way. And <laughs> I don't know if they're going to miss the playoffs because something was working in their favor that Saturday night. And, and I don't know if I can expect them to miss after what happened. Yeah. I, I could see the dolphins arguing that maybe that's the team that, cause they're ahead of schedule on their mm-hmm, rebuild. Yeah. They're, they're far ahead of it than a lot of people expect it. So not the biggest deal if they miss the playoffs and they have that texans pick currently sitting at yeah three, which is which is nuts so they're they're going to be happy no matter what if they make the playoffs or not but it was a good thing the browns lost yeah mark <laughs> it was huge and i was sitting there kind of you know sort of paying attention to it and i was i was shocked i was like man this is a huge loss like they win they're in the playoffs 
and they they lose it. I know they had their wide receivers out, but you can't lose that game against a team that's in the at the bottom of the league. I know they're on a two-game win streak now, but that doesn't mean much as the Jets. And this is a chance where you're going against the Steelers next week where that loss is going to be pointed to heavily. Yeah, and here's the deal. You find out your top four wide receivers are not going to play in a football game. What do you think you should do? What do you think the strategy is when your top four receivers are out? Let's run the ball. You would think that's probably a universal solution for just about every team across the board. Now might I add that you have Kareem Hunt (laughs) and Nick Chubb on your team and you run the ball 18 times the entire game. Baker Mayfield threw the ball 53 times against the Jets and only eight of those targets went to Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So Austin Hooper, uh, Let's see who's that. Jamarcus Bradley were the ones leading targets. I don't understand. I I don't understand what the Browns were thinking. It didn't make any sense to me. And I think they well deserve this loss. Like Browns fans could maybe complain. I haven't seen a lot of it, but they could complain that, oh, we only lost to the Jets because we didn't have our four receivers. Okay. Every single team has had some bad situations this year due to COVID. And you still have two running backs who could start on just about any team in the NFL alone. Yeah. And you don't, and you run the ball 18 times against the New York jets defense. I don't know. And then your defense can't step up and, and, and make the plays they need to make. And you turn the ball over at a very inopportune time, late game to give the jets the win. That's or several times. Actually you'll fumble. The, they fumble the ball several times. Well-deserved loss. And this could come back to haunt them. Because now they have the Steelers next week. And instead of this game, what could have been going into this week, a battle for the division has suddenly flipped around and is a battle for the lives for the Browns because Pittsburgh still has the ability to move up to the two seed. And I think that means they should probably play because seeding is a pretty important deal in the, uh, in the playoffs. And you want to have your home games when you can. Not to mention you're up against a rival especially a rival where one of their players slammed a helmet against one of your guys last season. So I, this is a bad situation for Cleveland. And I remember you talking a couple weeks ago about how there could be a 10 win Cleveland Browns team missing the playoffs again in this 17 year playoff drought. That would be the second time in this drought that the Browns won 10 games and would miss the playoffs. And that would be tragic. I, I feel bad as a Colts fan, but if that happened to the Cleveland Browns fan base, that would be terrible. And that is a very likely possibility at this point. And it's just, even if they go away from the run game, I think Mayfield should be able to, to win this game. But yeah. you, you have to run the ball. And, and I was going against Nick Chubb in fantasy this weekend. And I was terrified when I, once I realized all oh, those people went on injury reserve, cause like, they're mm-hmm. just going to run the ball. And over Chubb, and over again. And Chubb is going to have a not probably most likely not Camara like game, but he could get 30 fantasy points. And I was like, it wouldn't surprise me. And then I could lose even having Camara. But I was like, man, Chubb has to go off. Camara Hunt has to go off in this game. But they didn't. It doesn't make sense. It's weird. And Stefanski could lose coach of the year because of that awful thing. Yeah. It's going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths because that is not a game you should lose whatsoever, especially when it's has playoff implications. Yeah. So. I've always been pro Flores over Stefanski, especially if the, the Dolphins make the playoffs. Can you imagine if this coaching decision costs the Browns a playoff spot and Miami finds their way in? I feel like that, I mean, I'd be vindicating for me, but that would be pretty <laughs> tragic as far as this, this sort of duking of coach of the year, that would be, Geez, I mean, I don't know. It's it is confounding to me that that's what happened, and it's entirely self-inflicted. Because I mean, the Jets are trying to win games right now; their players want to play. But you know, this is not a Jets team that has a lot to play for. You yeah. know, like it's 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 a job thing, a pride thing. It's not about the team going to the playoffs or or or, or anything like that. Not playing a rival. It's just it's it's catastrophic for the Browns. Let's talk about the Dolphins Raiders game a little bit happened Saturday night and wow. Crazy. Two of though, 
benched him again. It's pretty odd to me. I don't feel like I've watched. Uh, I've watched the NFL for a while, and I don't really nothing comes to mind of this constantly happening. Yeah, where a player is taken out midway through games, and then he's they basically say, "Hey, he's starting next week again." But the the weirdest thing for me is why isn't Tua taking any shots downfield? Like, where's the Tua we saw at Alabama? I don't understand. Like, he came in those games and he would take shots. He won that national championship because he t- took risks. And now he's sitting there just throwing three yard passes. And I'm I'm completely confused because he's got the ta- he's got a talented arm. He can do it. Well, I think partially the reason is because he doesn't have Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. <laughs> Devonte Smith, along with others, all lining up and dusting poor college cornerbacks. I think, like, they talked about it on the broadcast that there's a difference between NFL Open and College Open, especially when you're playing with those guys at Alabama. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and everybody else that was on to attack of Iloa's wide receiving core in college busted plays over and over again, and he just had to hit them in stride. So that is a bit of a learning curve. Um. What's weird to me is there have been games where Tua has shown boxy and has driven down the field in one football game. And there are other games where he just looks timid and just does not look like he is willing to throw it more than 10 yards down the field. I was so frustrated. I felt like uh, I had Mike Gesicki in my fantasy league and I felt like Gesicki was getting himself open down the field on every single play. Ryan Fitzpatrick gets plugged in and throws it like three straight times to Mike Gesicki to drive him down the field, his first drive in the game. So it wasn't just me looking for it as a biased fantasy manager. That was me noticing it and thinking, why isn't he throwing it to him? Like, this isn't just me personally, selfishly wanting this. I don't understand why he's not looking to get sicky. He's constantly checking down to someone who's running a five yard flat. He's, uh, he's a little weary. Now, maybe this can get fixed in the off season. Again, you didn't have a proper off season. Might, might I remind everybody, this was an off season where everyone had to sit on their computer and do everything. This wasn't like you had the whole summer to, to work through things, with coaches and stuff. Maybe that can get fixed with Tua, but it is concerning. But what I do find interesting is that Brian Flores, it kind of works. He, he referred to Ryan Fitzpatrick as Tua's relief pitcher and he said that he'd be willing to do it again. And I think that's such an interesting function for a football team and something that we haven't ever seen before. And can you imagine to a tag of Iloa, it becoming a thing that he just plays the first like three quarters and then Miami is down by a touchdown and they just throw Ryan Fitzpatrick in because in those situations, you want to start getting more aggressive and Ryan Fitzpatrick's okay with getting aggressive. He's Fitz magic. I mean, look what he did. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. It's such a weird thing, and it doesn't seem like it's harming Tua at this point. He, he seems excited for Fitzpatrick. They seem like they're good friends. They both bought their offensive lineman gifts. So it's like it's almost like they're sharing the starting role in a, in a way, which is so bizarre. And, I mean, I, 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 I am guilty of talking up Brian Flores a lot, but I got to give him props for somehow making this situation work because it could get ugly so quickly and – he has somehow averted it and not caused the conflict to happen. And the only thing we see sort of similar to this situation, I guess, I don't think it's very similar whatsoever. It's like, sometimes you might have like Taysom Hill come in for Drew Brees just to take a shot downfield, but that's Mm -hmm. like a play or two, but this is like weird. It's like a benching and then Fitzpatrick is coming in there just to, you know, get a spark going and it works, Mm -hmm. which is, it's going to be weird if they have to do that in the playoffs. It's going to be very mm. odd, but like you said, it seems like Brian Flores is okay with doing that. Do you think it's the most awkward QB room in the NFL? It seems like they're handling it really well, which is Yeah, I don't think odd. it is. I don't think it is the most awkward QB room. I think they Ryan Fitzpatrick is such a veteran has, and has seen so many QB carousels in his life that he's he's used to stuff like this and the fact it's being handled this way is probably cool for him. And Tua seems like a level-headed guy, and he seems like he respects Ryan Fitzpatrick a lot and and is happy for him to find success too because he understands Ryan's been everywhere and no one one ever keeps him, which I imagine could be pretty discouraging if you're Ryan Fitzpatrick. (laughs) Um, And he's continued to go. So I imagine there's probably a lot of respect there between the two of them. A much more awkward QB room would be one where like, 
I mean, I imagine the Bears locker room was probably yeah. a little awkward with Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky or per se uh, Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, even though it seems like that's going all right. I'm sure that's also pretty awkward. Stuff like that are, I think, are probably worse. But all in all, it, it is a strange situation. And I, it, it's kind of fun to watch, though, not going to lie. And it could have torpedoed the the locker room if mm-hmm. they were able to handle the relationships because it is weird, awkward. I'm not sure how well I would handle it. Someone coming in and taking my getting yanked from an hour uh, radio show halfway through saying you're not doing good enough today yeah. would be really awkward for us. But it's prime time. It's the it's when we have our most listeners, the biggest part. We're gonna take <laughs> you out and put this other guy in. It's the fourth quarter, and and we need to score here to stay in this game and yeah. stay in the playoff race. And we're gonna just pull you out now. I imagine, yeah, that's that's got to be tough. Yeah, but they're handling it well. And hats off to the QBs and Brian Flores. But let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today? Well, it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone, and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive, I don't have the equipment, it'll be too difficult, I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast. And I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R. Dot .fm to get started. And we are back. Packers Titans, I'm feeling good. I am feeling really good. Rodgers MVP, it seems like possibly he could have taken a little bit of the narrative away from Mahomes. We'll have to wait for this final week, but I think there's a shot he could win. I think it's fine if you vote for Mahomes or Rodgers. It's still up in the air, but I think uh, last night's performance was pretty big for him in prime time. Yeah, and here's the thing. Mahomes in the past three weeks has put up two stinkers to an extent. Yesterday was weird against the Falcons. He threw a pick, and he also nearly threw another one. Um he only put up 17 points. He threw three picks against Miami. Granted, he was able to explode in that game and, and make it work. Rodgers has only got the Buccaneers game. And that seems like distant memory right now. And granted, MVP voters, poll voters, top 25 votes in college, they have a short memory. And so that, that Buccaneers game seems long gone. And so Aaron Rodgers has been performing at such a high level, a high efficient level. Like, I mean, he, he missed four passes yesterday and, and yeah, he had, he threw a pick, but in the snow and dominating a good Titans team, that was a great showcase for him. And at this point, before this week, I started becoming more of an Aaron Rodgers MVP advocate. And I think I'm definitely comfortably in that spot right now, as it stands, Aaron Rodgers has played at a great level. We talked about the Aaron Rodgers hate tour at the beginning of the year after drafting Jordan Love, after everyone says they're going to regress, and it's happened. I mean, you you said it might happen, and you thought maybe you were biased, but you were correct. And that's kind of cool to see. Uh, you're looking back all the way at the beginning of the year. Uh, good on uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and good on Devontae Adams, who has been the the direct beneficiary and assistant in in this campaign for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers this season. I, I'm excited if he gets his third MVP. I obviously, I love Rodgers. Probably will go down as my favorite QB because I'm in a very impressionable years in my life. <laughs> but a kind of bittersweet thing was AJ Dillon having a very good night because if he continues, which is great, it just scares me on the Aaron Jones and re-signing him because he's going to be a lot of money. 
And uh, he was drafted to either replace him or Jamal Williams, basically. And I think in the Packers' dreams for the uh, salary cap, it would be to let Aaron Jones go and keep mm-hmm. AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams, which is which is good. But I think Aaron Jones is a different type of player thus far. Yeah, Dillon hasn't proved himself that. I know he had COVID and it was out for a very long time. It was good to see, but also I was in the back of my mind in that game. I was like, man, this is foreshadowing a little bit of a sad offseason for myself. But yeah, I mean, that's the running back carousel, though. You know, that's the game teams are playing now. Um, Good football teams rotate through running backs every couple of years and Mm -hmm. bad teams sign them and hope that they continue to be a star. And typically it doesn't work out. Yeah, I've never been for signing running backs to big extensions so i'll get over it but home field advantage seems like it's going to be huge for the packers especially if there's inclement weather like yesterday and yeah who would have thought can we talk just for a moment before we get to that point everything in that game spelled advantage for titans as except for the fact that it was in lambeau but it was snowing it was cold that i feel like that means it's, it's, it's a negative for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. It's a huge positive for Derrick Henry and the Titans. Uh, the tight, the Packers pat run defense is not good. And the Packers came out and stomped the Titans. So continue with your thought. But I just thought that, that was a crazy statement by the Packers yesterday. It, it, was, it was. It was a big statement to be able to solidify their, their home field advantage. But I think them in green Bay is just going to be huge for them. I know fans aren't there, but I think the cold weather Rogers plays, I believe he's, I think I saw a sad days, 19 and four and uh, yeah. games below 30 degrees. So he knows how to play. Well, he doesn't seem like he's affected by it very much, which Tannehill looked affected by the weather. And I think it's going to be huge. And then on the defensive side, I mean, the defense is, seems like they're finally getting hot at the right time, which is something yeah, that's huge. I've been kind of thinking like, hey, if they get hot, this team has playmakers where they could do it. But in the beginning of the season through halfway through it, they weren't hot. And I was worried. I was like, if they never get hot, like they're not making the Super Bowl mm-hmm. because they, they're just not making the plays. But right now they're starting to make the plays. And if they continue, they can make the Super Bowl, especially with home field and how Rodgers is playing right now. Yeah, I think right now the Packers are are looking like the best team in the NFL and in the NFC. Sorry, <laughs> there's the Kansas <laughs> City Chiefs. Sorry, um, they, they're looking like the best team in the NFC right now. And uh, if I'm the Bears, I'm worried because, and I'd be really cheering for the Los Angeles Rams next week because I believe, uh, well, actually, hold on, let, let, let's run through the playoff scenario here real quick. Let's say the Packers win next week and the Rams win. What about the Cardinals winning? Okay, yeah. So I I would be a huge Rams fan next week for Chicago because if the Bears lose to this really hot Packers team and the Cardinals beat the Rams, Chicago would be home at eight and eight. But if the Rams beat the Cardinals, Chicago would be in at eight and eight. And I worry for the Chicago Bears because this Packers team is looking really good. And they don't have the number one seed completely tied up just yet. And so you and you don't want to let that happen. So you want that number one seed. And you're talking about Lambo. So uh, my, my, my train of thought is, is slightly derailing here. But my point is that this Packers team looks like the best team in the conference. And they're looking for that number one seed, which I have said all year is a ticket to the Super Bowl. And I think it would very much mean so, especially if that if that home field advantage is that Lambeau field. So we just saw it last night. Um, All in all, just a great team performance, really dominated the Titans. Um, I I will say I've always thought the Titans crumble, crumble on primetime. Now there's a difference between primetime and playoff games, like regular season primetime games. The Titans in big moments seem to collapse. They're not used to it yet. And I thought that kind of happened yesterday. Think about it. Derrick Henry should have had a great game. And I mean, he had a decent game. He had 98 rushing yards. Yeah. But Derrick Henry is used to running for 150 and taking over games. His longest run of the day was 10 yards. He never busted out. He just consistently ran decently. And if you're a Packers fan, you're ecstatic if Derrick Henry's longest run of the day was 10 yards. So uh, this is huge 
uh, for the Packers as far as development's concerned. And it's huge for the Colts because that means the division is still within our grasp should the Texans beat the Titans next week. Yeah, I'm sure you are happy to see the Titans mm. lose that game, especially after coming off a loss. Yeah, it really could have used us to win because then we could really be in a good spot. Chiefs-Falcons, is it weird to be worried about a team on a 10-game win streak and a team that's 23-1 and over the last 24 games? Like, should we continue to be a slightly worried? I mean, they haven't. They haven't won a game by more than one possession since playing the Jets on November 1st this year. Huh. Here's, here's my thought. Fundamentally, I still pick the Chiefs in every game they play. But superstitiously, or if we're going to talk about things that are a little more abstract, like momentum or confidence or anything like that, or, or, or humbling, I, I thought as this game was happening, I was thinking, you know, the Falcons winning here might be a good thing for the Chiefs. Getting a humble, getting a humbling loss, have two losses going into the playoffs, would probably be the best thing the Chiefs could have right now because then they just go in fresh off a loss, ready to go to the Super Bowl and make it work. Now the Chiefs, who have continued to edge teams out since you're saying November first, I would be, I am concerned. And it's not for any sort of uh, technical or fundamental thing. I mean, I've always talked about their lack of run game, but I would be concerned that the fact that they cannot put games confidently away, despite just how explosive they are. And the fact that they continue to edge out these matchups is going to eventually nip them in the bud. Eventually, if they keep this up in the playoffs last year, some of the games were kind of close. They kept getting behind. But by the time the Chiefs got in rhythm, it didn't stop. And it didn't look like anyone was going to stop them. So the games didn't really feel that close once the Chiefs uh, kicked it into high gear. This season, they haven't really been doing that. And so that's concerning because an opportunistic team in the AFC, and there are some good teams in the AFC, are would be ready to pounce. But the fact of the matter is, will the Chiefs just switch into playoff mode come playoff time? I could, I would totally be unsurprised if suddenly they're an unstoppable force again that drops 40 points a game. It's just weird. It's so weird because, again, we've been saying all season, it feels like the Chiefs aren't really playing to their fullest potential ever. And I feel like that continues to happen. And so I can't really say they're going to lose in the playoffs because they only have one loss. But it is a worry in the back of my head but I also would be completely unsurprised if they go out and destroy in the playoffs on the other end of the coin. It's weird. They're, they're a strange team that are way too powerful. (laughs) That's the only way I could put it. I was happy they won as, as a Packers fan, because if they continue on this streak, there's more of a possibility they lose. Cause I am a, you've mentioned it before and I'm a firm believer that you need to lose a game. You need to be humbled every once in a Mm. while especially when they're barely uh winning games currently and i think like you said it could have been a good loss for them to kind of like reset and rethink because they do need to turn something on come playoff time because those afc teams are going to be bringing their best doesn't mean they'll be able to beat them but the way they're playing right now i think teams are going to give them a pretty good shot and uh, in all honesty I'm feeling so high from last night for the Packers game. If the game was this week against the Chiefs, maybe not a Super Bowl game, but I would be leaning on Packers as a fan and would be honestly a little bit sad if we lost because at the beginning of the year, if we made the Super Bowl play the Chiefs, I'd be sad, but I think I'd be like, okay, we lost to the Chiefs, but I think the Chiefs are for the taking at this moment. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I imagine they probably feel invincible right now because they can play poorly and still win. And, and, and that's the kind of thing you kind of need to be humbled every now and then that you know you have to play your A game to win football games. And they haven't been, and they've been winning. And that can get into your head no matter how hard you try to not let it happen. I'll talk about the Eagles-Cowboys game. And I think it would be a pretty safe bet to assume that the Cowboys would have made the playoffs if Dak Prescott never got hurt with the division how it is because yeah they're they're in it right now and it's been a very odd year for them but even if they don't make the playoffs and how bad of a year it's been for them and expectations wise with Prescott being out and whatnot it is important to finish strong 
for Mike McCarthy and, and company in Dallas. And I think this mm-hmm. is huge for building a foundation for the future because we all know they have talent. We all know they brought the bank for Elliot Cooper and they have the talent there. Maybe not on the defensive side, they've got some big names, but this is huge for a foundation. And that's why I kept something. I was like, if they can could just finish out, even if the football team makes the playoffs and the Cowboys don't, I still think you got to be feeling good going into next year, being like, hey, we turned things around in a very unfortunate season where COVID, I know everyone dealt with COVID, but you're dealing with COVID, a new coaching staff, and your top 10 QB went out this year. So yeah. I, I think you got to be happy where you ended up and especially finishing strong. But on that note, I mean, Andy Dalton does. Do you think there's any any life out there for him, Mark? I was kind of thinking, I was like, is anyone willing to to pull the trigger on that guy, get him somewhere, or are the Bears desperate enough, or is, is the football team desperate enough? Is there a team that's willing to say, hey, let's go with Dalton? I mean, I feel like he's still going to be in that backup role, but I think he can yeah. sort of do some things maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's so – the Andy Dalton line continues to this day. It is still a thing where you don't want a quarterback worse than Andy Dalton. Like that's a bad scenario to be in. <laughs> but if you have a quarterback better than Andy Dalton, like that's not the most remarkable thing ever. But you're probably in a good place. Andy Dalton is just such a it is so aggressively okay that it's it's so weird uh he played great yesterday and he's played some decent football despite the situation this season with the cowboys and they he turned it on yesterday i think his role is a backup though and he, he he's the kind of backup that maybe is signed one place and then a team's quarterback gets injured and they trade for him kind of deal uh, I, I don't think Andy dalton's gonna be done playing football next year and will forever be on the clipboard I think he's the kind of he's kind of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, a, a guy who will fly around a little bit and will get starts and he can win you some football games. He'll never be the guy, but he could win a game or two for you while your star is hurt. And I think he's proven that here in Dallas, especially against the Eagles. He, he had a great performance. I'm happy for him. He's a great guy from what I've heard. And so I don't think he's going to find too many starting roles again, though. I agree with you, Mark. I don't think he's, I mean, I, I was trying to think of teams as like, I don't see a team out there that's willing to say like, Hey, you're my starter. But if there's a weird QB in front of them, maybe they sign Dalton, but I, I don't really know why I think he's, he's a backup for life. And it is kind of basically there for if there's an injury, if there's a period like Drew Brees going down, I think Andy Dalton could give you three to good three to five good weeks. And mm. he could keep you afloat and win most of those games. But this this Cowboys team, if they make the playoffs, they would go against the Bucks currently. And even though Elliott can have a good run game and he got over 100 yards yesterday, which was, which was big for him, and that would be big if they make the playoffs, if they could control the tempo of the game and go to Elliott a lot. And if Dalton plays like he did yesterday, they, they could possibly win. But the Bucs is, is a very difficult team. The only thing that I'm kind of leaning on them is they're really the only team this year that has home field, like a fan advantage because they've yeah. like 30,000 fans in there. Something like 20. It's it's the most in the NFL. It's, it's a lot. So I guess you have that advantage that you actually have fans in that Cowboys mm-hmm. stadium. But I, I think the Cowboys have a bright future. I think people always thought that but i'm glad they're building the foundation and for a while you thought maybe mike mccarthy could be slightly worried if he completely tumbled down but that there's nothing to worry about his job and jerry jones hangs on to people forever but i think he should be should be happy with the job he he did this year yeah i think the most encouraging thing is the the improvement of the defense because they were swiss cheese at the beginning of the year and Dak prescott was left to rights to keep the team in the game by scoring 40 plus points every single week. And so the fact that they've improved and started forcing turnovers, their special teams have had some successful turnovers as well. 
are all huge developments throughout this year that have helped the Cowboys win these past few games against teams like the Eagles, who were starting to look pretty good, and against the, the 49ers last week, who are a pretty fundamentally sound football team. So I think that's definitely something worth is promising, and I agree. Should have Dak Prescott have played this whole season, I think this Cowboys team would be in the playoffs because their defense has improved. At the beginning of the year, I wasn't convinced because their defense was so bad that no matter what Dak Prescott did, the other team, the defense would always concede after him. So the fact that they have stopped doing that, I mean, they only allowed 17 points yesterday, is a great, huge step in the right direction. And the Cowboys should be back next season. I wasn't confident that they would be throughout the season, given the state of their defense, but they've proven that they're, they're ready to be a competitive football team once their guy which they should get. They should re-sign him once their guy comes back onto the field. A really weird stat from the Cowboys is that went down by 11 or more. The Cowboys are 3-0 this year, while the rest of the NFL is 2-11. So that is a very odd stat that they undefeated in those situations. Yeah, that's weird. Seahawks-Rams. The Seahawks, another defense that's kind of turned it up slightly, but that offense is not churning to the point where they're going to win a playoff game because I think this the offense is going to what wins the, a playoff game. I know you got to be feeling good that the defense is stepping up and, you know, you held that Rams team to only nine points. And over the past couple games, you haven't been giving up huge amount of points. I know you haven't been going against the best teams. I mean, you went against football team. Jets, Giants, Eagles, but you got to be feeling better that the defense is playing better. But then on the Rams side, I mean, I'm I'm really worried about them because they've yeah. had too many bad games for me to be completely honest to say, hey, they yeah, still won. It's, it's done. Yeah, yeah. My thought is, um, it's done. It, this Rams team is not the team I was thinking they were this season. They have dropped too many goose eggs. And now the good games are the anomalies, not these bad ones. And the fact of the matter is, is partially, not partially, a lot of that falls on Jared Goff just having off days. His interception yesterday was a head scratcher. I watched that live and thought, what, what was that? And so, I don't know. It's, it's such a weird thing. Because they could be so good, but they're not. They're not executing offensively. Their defense is good. And and that's my criticism of the Seahawks right now, their defense. And I'll, I'll give it both ways because their defense has improved. And it doesn't really matter who your opponent is. If your defense is, is stepping up, you're going to have that confidence going into the playoffs. And that's a good thing. So good on the Seahawks defense for figuring some things out. I know they haven't played anyone great and I'm sure you could say, Oh, but they're playing the Rams, but I don't know. Are the Rams offense really that good or do they just have good days? And so that that's the other side of the coin, which is they, they haven't really defensively taken anyone down. And the fact that the Seahawks offense is starting to coast a little bit is a bit of a concern. I don't know how convinced and confident I am in this Seattle team. And there's only one way to know it's to play a playoff football game and we have to wait two weeks to find the answer and we'll be interesting to see. So I I'm excited to see if the Seahawks are fakers or if they're real contenders and could challenge the Packers or saints for that NFC title. I think Russell Wilson has the ability to turn it on, but he hasn't really recently. And so it'll be, it'll be a fun storyline to unfurl as next week and the playoffs, uh, go i guess as, as the story begins do you know the scenario i just i was looking at the playoffs i know you had the playoff thing but if if the cardinals win do the, do the rams have to win this weekend to be in the in the playoffs here is the scenario for the rams if they win they're in if they lose the packers have to win if yeah. the rams lose and go to 9 and 7 and the Bears oh, hold on, hold on, yeah. If the if the Rams lose to the Packers and the Bears win, yeah, they would they would be the the odd man out out of the nine and seven teams in the playoffs. So 
they need to look to beat the Cardinals in what is they should treat it as a win and you're in and lose your out kind of game, nearly a playoff game. Granted the Rams could lose and still get in should the bears lose to the Packers, but I wouldn't, obviously you don't want to count on that. You'd rather control your own fate. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big game next week. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I want the Rams in the playoffs anymore. Early in the season, I was so pro Rams going into playoffs and being even a contender, but they are falling flat on their faces at the finish line. And I think the Bears, who are in a good form right now, deserve to be in over them. And I think the Cardinals would be more fun in the playoffs than the Rams. So that, that's where I hope it goes. But I, I don't know. I, the, the, Cardinal, the Cardinals have been flat as well recently. It's, it's, the NFC has been an underwhelming race for that last wild card spot, uh, to be sure. Looking forward for the Rams, I mean, how, how confident are you with them moving forward in the coming years? Are we, are we still in that spot where we're kind of worried about golf? I mean, I think he's, he's paid too much for what he provides mm. for your team, but taking away the salary. I mean, I think I'm still kind of worried because it's still yeah. that line where it's like everything has to be going right for him for things yeah. to go well at the end of the day. Yeah. I think at this point I'm starting, I, I at points in the year, I was like, Jared Goff's a decent quarterback and he's serviceable for the Rams. But when you blow games like this, especially when the Rams have had so much success against the Seahawks and the Seahawks have so many, so many weak points you can attack and you go out there and all you do is throw a terrible interception. I just, you, you, you lose me. You lose me. And this football team deserves to have a better quarterback who will be more consistent. They don't need a superstar. They just need someone who will make the plays he needs to make, and they won't ask him of too much. And I thought that guy was Jared Goff, but he's starting to reveal that he's not. And a lot of people will say, I told you so, because I would defend Jared Goff when other people would attack him. But it's just, at some point, you have to admit when you're wrong. And this is a case where I think that I'm, I'm wrong about Jared Goff. I don't think he's good enough for what the Rams need, and they don't need a ton. And it's, it's letting this team down. It could potentially cost them the playoffs. All right. Be before we go, I want to pick who you think is going to miss the playoffs in the, the AFC. We can do NFC as well. But I, I think AFC, I, I think I'm going to say Dolphins is going to miss the playoffs. Um. Well, I guess I'll go through the scenarios. I say the – my picks oh, – <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I think the Browns are going to miss the playoffs. Mm. I think the Steelers beat the Browns and the Bills beat the Dolphins, but Miami has the tiebreaker. The Ravens beat the Bengals, the Colts beat the Jaguars, and the Titans beat the Texans. And so the Browns are the odd man out. Um, my ideal scenario as a Colts fan, and as, a, and a, and as far as me personally, uh, as, as an NFL fan and the relationships I've made, the ideal scenario for me would be the uh, the Colts win, the Titans lose to the Texans, which is a very real possibility. The Browns or the Ravens win and the Browns lose, which doesn't matter, but the Titans would be home and the Browns would be in the playoffs. I think that would be pretty hilarious. That That's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for the Titans to lose and for Miami to win because at this point I just – I've got that feeling that Miami is going to be in the playoffs after seeing that throw Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> made. I don't know if I can deny that it's going to happen. So I think your best odds are the Browns or the Dolphins missing out on the playoffs. Um, but the Colts could be the, the odd man out. If everyone gets the job done this next week, they could be 11 and five and missing the playoffs, which would, Break my little heart, but <laughs> we'll cross our fingers. The Colts need one of four teams to lose. They need the Browns, Ravens, Dolphins, or Titans to lose, and I, I like my odds. I think on the NFC, I'm going to go Bears, even though they. I, I just have them – I don't want to jinx the Packers, but I think the Packers will beat them, and I think, sadly, the Cardinals are going to find a way to beat the Rams. So I, I think we're, we're going to see the, the Bears out of the playoffs. I think the Cardinals missed the playoffs. I think the Rams beat the Cardinals next week and then the bears lose to the Packers, but it doesn't matter. The bears will get it anyway. 
Alrighty. Well, we, we've got a fun week ahead. It's one of those yeah. weekends where it's a bunch of one o'clock games, a bunch of four o'clock games, and then the finale of an NFC East game. We <laughs> <laughs> all year, and it's going to be our last regular season game of the. Uh, it had to be. It had to be. <laughs> so it, it's some exciting, and it, it feels like we're getting, I mean, it feels like playoff football, basically. We're, we're getting right there. So it's, it's an exciting time to be a NFL fan. But that's going to wrap it up for our show day, first and news. Thank you for listening.